The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the I had her laughing her ass off at what I got her because it showed up early today. <laughs> Debbie, cute. the Squatch Underwood. You got to post a picture of it. I do. I on the website. I got to get out of the thing and post a picture of it because it is freaking <laughs> so freaking funny. I got one more thing coming for, for you, too. One or two more things, but I think it's just one. I was going to say, like, if I had a place to put this outside my house, on my apartment, you know, outside my apartment door, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But, yeah. It says this place is protected by Sasquatch. It is. Property protected by Bigfoot. And then, it, you know, me. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I couldn't resist, man. I'm telling you. But wait till you see the second one. It should be here. I think it's going to come in Tuesday or something like that. But, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, it's cool. I really love it. Thank you. So we so we got part two of this numb nuts. I saw his yeah. picture, by the way, because I just Russell up- Obem- Bremsky. Yeah, I, I just uploaded this picture and uploaded that episode. I don't know if I've seen a picture. Yes, I have seen a picture. Oh, look at the picture when he's younger, and then now. Yeah. Like, both like now the current picture, he looks like a child molester. Like like for real. Like I'm serious. Like he would be sitting there going, "Hey, little girl, why don't you get into the back hmm. of my van?" Because he looks very Hispanic. Um, and then his younger one, he kind of has that Richard Ramirez vibe to him. Yeah, he kind of does. Yeah, a little bit. Kind of got that dark, gloomy. Yeah. yeah. But you... then he was a paint huffer. He was a glue sniffer. Oh, there you, you know? go. Are you looking at his picture? No, not yet. Um, I got to pull it up. Hang on. Let me let me look it up yeah, here. Yeah, very Richard Ramirez-esque. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The old <laughs> picture. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Like, that's who I thought I was pulling up at first, but I saw that I'm like, is that Richard? I'm not, I didn't put in to find pics of Richard Ramirez. Oh, oh no, that's not. That's Russell. Yeah, it's really, really shocking to me because we have to take into account here, you have to know that he was not Hispanic. Yeah, I know. With a name like Bobrimsky, he's like a Polak or something, right? Yeah. So, I mean, even his early Oregon State Penitentiary photos, because that, that one where he's like Richard Ramirez looking is his booking photo. But even the one with the or- Oregon State Penitentiary kind of has that dark, gloomy look to him. Yeah, With almost man. a James Dean vibe. No, no, not James Dean vibe. Like, that's where <laughs> horror... He's got that vibe, like, as soon as you look at him, you go, oh, that's how the horror movie starts. <laughs> yeah. I know who the killer is already, and it's you. Yeah, I just think you just said something very interesting, but I'll get into it later because I don't want to give anything away. All but- right, I'm going to sit over here just smoking my cigarette and have some good food. Continue has, on. Have some good food, your barbecue pork, Methany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, earlier I had some because uh, Squatch brought over some of her famous uh, meatloaf. So for breakfast, that's what I had. Yes. Uh, and it was, God dang, it's bomb diggity, dude. Yeah, and well, I even changed up the recipe on this one because I have a shit ton of taco seasoning at home. That was really good. It, it, wasn't, yeah. it wasn't taco-esque, but it was really well-seasoned. Well, well, yeah, because I put some taco seasoning in it, but I also put stewed, like canned tomatoes instead of ketchup and barbecue sauce inside of it. Now try so. Rotel. Have you tried Rotel? No, but they were kind of Rotel type. They were the uh, diced tomatoes with green chilies. So. Oh, nice. Sweet. Yeah. All right, let's get to the okay, part two so, of those numb nuts. So we left off with uh, Judge Sawyer not specifying whether his sentence should be concurrent or con- consecutive, right? Right. Um, 
Now, and he said, I believe it's a moot point, basically, to, to specify. So I'm going to remain silent. Now, if Judge Sawyer would have specified Russell's life sentences were to be run concurrently, he would have been automatically eligible for parole after serving 10 years, which was 1979. In his life set, if they were specified to run consecutively, he wouldn't have been eligible for parole until he served 20 years, so 1989. As it happened, sentencing laws changed, which ultimately worked in Russell's favor despite a slight hiccup. Now, in 1977, the Oregon Department of Corrections Parole Board implemented what's referred to as the matrix system. And this is what we now refer to as old guidelines. Now, this system was originally designed as a tool to help reduce overcrowding in Oregon's prison facilities. And it comprised a complicated yet precise formula that ultimately set definite release dates for every prisoner in the system. After inputting Russell's data, including the crimes he committed and the sentences he received from the court, they calculated his definite release date in November of 1986. Wait a minute, wait a minute. They, they inputted his data. What about his mama? Boom, 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 boom. Now, if he was granted parole at that time, he would have only had to have served 17 years in prison for committing two first-degree murders. Now, um, then right before he was to be released in 1986, Oregon passed a victim's rights law. This new law allowed families of victims to attend parole hearings to contest the release of an inmate. Every time Russell Obremsky was up for parole, the surviving members of his victims' families appeared before the parole board to ask him to deny the prisoner's release. The most vocal family member who appeared at every parole hearing was Laverna Lowe's daughter, Pam Nelson. Her sole purpose for making her presence known was to fight. Fight for what she thought was justice. In addition to appearing for every parole hearing, Pam also began circulating petitions around the entire state in an effort to get the parole board to deny Russell's release. During an interview with 48 Hours, she said, My goal was to keep him in prison where he belongs. Now, Pam's efforts were successful when it came to bringing public awareness to the case and implementing changes in Oregon's parole system. However, she wasn't ultimately able to force the parole board to keep Russell locked up. Even though they had extended his definite parole date five separate times, it was finally set for November 8th, 1993. Wonder why that is? Why? Because she's white. Because she's white? No, and hear me out, hear me out. She's white or he's white? No. She is. Oh. Because, like, when white people get up there that are, you know, families of the victims, we all talk like this. Uh, I don't think that Russell should be released because he's a bad guy. And he's probably going to hurt somebody. And I'm honestly scared for my life. You need a sister up there. Oh, yeah. They, they, they get the neck going and all and the finger waving and all that shit. Oh, yeah. They'll be cussing. Like, this motherfucker right here going to kill a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I'll kill him myself. You let him out. You better be looking for me, man, because I'm going to yeah. stab him right in his dick. And you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You're, you're more compelling. White people, not compelling at all. It's so funny about that because I was in prison with this lady who was very much an African-American. I mean, she was a black girl and she was a big black girl. 
And her and I got into this beef one time outside the time clocks of DMV because I work for the DMV call center. And she literally was like in my face waving and her head was going. And I'm like, are you going to hit me? <laughs> like, really, I need to brace myself right now. I'm telling you, man, there's things that I've learned in my 49 years. Number one. Like, uh, as we've mentioned before, I was raised in a Southern ba- you know, very Southern Baptist. And very. when you go in there, it's all hellfire, brimstone, you're going to die. Yeah, turn or burn. But if you go to a black Southern Baptist church, that oh. is a freaking party. It is a party. That's how Elvis got his start. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. You want to mm-hmm. know, know why? Because there, they've got rhythm, and they're singing, and they're dancing. They're having a great freaking time. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the white guy church. Yeah, and then you get, blessed be the tie that binds yeah, our hearts in whole. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but <laughs> now we're going to sing hymns. If everybody will turn to hymn uh, number 99 <laughs> in your hymn book, we will sing Margaret, start playing the music. <laughs> right. And it's, it's, and a, it's an uh, organ. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're sitting there going, you know what? I'm really home for the second coming now, so I can just die and maybe, not, maybe I don't rapture. suffer so much. <laughs> Or a drive-by shooting, or somebody run a tractor through this church and kill us all. I'm open. Tornado. Tornado. You know, I, I'm I'm pretty open. I'm I'm open to any form no of escape. No matter meteor, I don't care right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't. At, yeah. at some points, I wouldn't have even cared if the devil would have come down and said, "I'm taking you all to hell." I'd be like, "Let's go, please, for the love of God." Me, me let's first. Go. Me first. I, I would. I, I would be the mouthiest child, and I wasn't a mouthy child, man. I would have gotten mouth out of my way, motherfuckers. I'd be like, Lucifer, take me now, please, because at least I won't have to sit here and almost fall asleep. I'm laughing at that because you're so right. Oh, <laughs> There's nothing man. worse than a white Southern Baptist church service, except for Catholic, because Catholics, oh get, they get more exercise than the Romanic class. <laughs> I've had Catholic friends who've gotten, who, who, who've gotten married, of course. And after my second Catholic wedding, you quit going. I did. I went. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, "No, Chuck, I can't go." Why? Because I don't feel like having to work out. <laughs> that in a Catholic funeral. Oh Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and the liturgy that you have to recite back. And uh. the worst part is after a Catholic wedding, after everything's said and you go to the reception, you're supposed to be dancing, having a good time. You're just sitting there going. Okay, look, I need some water and a nap. That's what I need. <laughs> Aren't you going to have anything from the shrimp buffet or some drinks? No, no. I just, I just really want Like, if I can lay underneath this table until all you psychopaths are done, I'll just take a little nappy poo, and we'll call it good. That's right. Yeah, because it is an aerobic workout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been to Catholic weddings and Catholic funerals, and they are no joke. <laughs> Anyways, so... Um, in 1993, before they were going to release Russell, they ordered him to undergo a psychological evaluation. Now, Dr. Robert Davis oversaw the testing and stated in his final report, quote, I concluded that Mr. Obremsky was not a clear and present danger. So with the results of the exam on record, the parole board had no other option but to set Russell free. A decision that drew criticism across the state. Most people suggested that the parole board, quote, settled on concluding on only one psyche valve, and they should have ordered several. That would have given them the ability to shop around for a result that would have been more favorable to keeping him locked up. After all, there was bound to be one psychologist in the state that didn't think the prisoner was fit to be released back into society, right? 
So critics also said that the board never took Russell's prison disciplinary record into consideration when they made their decision. According to the <coughs> reports, he had been me- issued multiple infractions, including disobedience, undetailed sexual misconduct, possession of contraband narcotics, and false statements to prison staff. Now, I'm going to clarify something here. The undetailed sexual misconduct was most likely masturbating in public. Okay, I really don't see a problem with that. No, but they consider it a deviant act on the inside because you're supposed to control all that. But, but here's the thing. Okay, and this is why I say this now. Okay, right. now, Grant, I don't want to see anybody jerking off. But we live in a society, at least by today's standards, and it was very different back then, where people are taking a big dump on the fucking road, and people are like, well, where else are they going to go? Because the outhouse was like way over there. Yeah, across the street. Yeah, that's why I just I sit there and I go, you know what? And by today's standards, and we're supposed to have evolved a little bit and with technology. Right. Nah, you know, I, dude, well, beat your meat. You know, here's my thing though. Seriously, for for y'all out there who do beat your meat a lot, um, can't have any pudding. <laughs> you can't have any pudding if you don't beat your meat. Oh, it's eat. Never mind. I know. That's why I was like, but but you know, do us all a favor. Like, really, no man or woman really wants to see you. True. You no, know, uh, flogging the log, punishing the bishop. <laughs> um, so, how about you maybe do that? Choking the chicken. Choking <laughs> chicken. That's hilarious. Spanking your beef Wellington there. Um, <laughs> that's terrible. You are horrible. Going on a mission with your purple-headed general. Maybe you should do that in the privacy of your own home or behind the bush, you know. Or in the shower. Or in the shower. I just don't want to see you jerking off, man. prison rules, they frown upon any type of sexual activity, including self-manipulation, because, you know, that just leads to violence. No, I believe pent-up sexual frustration leads to more violence, right? I, I, I totally agree. Like, seriously. Yeah. Um, here's my thing. I understand that there's separate prisons for the gay people as opposed to straight people in some yeah, states. Us- yeah, usually it's not separate prisons, but separate, like, wings. Yeah. yeah. And that's fine. Dude, let people fuck. Yeah. And there's a reason. Or let them flog their log. Yeah. You know, yeah. just leave them alone. Like, it, like, like, if you're walking by their cell and they're jerking off, you know, go, hey, maybe I'm going to come back later. Yeah. And if it's consensual sex, what... What harm is it? Yeah, and that's the thing. As long as it's consensual, if mm-hmm. if it's two dudes who go, hey, man, I like it up the butt, and the other one goes, hey, I like to give it up the butt. Hey, all right. Secret lovers, have at it. Secret lovers, Sancho's. <laughs> but you, you know what's not happening after that? Nobody's causing a fucking ruckus. Yeah, nobody's fighting. Nobody's, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, we all know that sometimes sexual, pent-up sexual frustration gets the better of you. Right, right, right. So, you yeah. know, or even two chicks. If you see two chicks, you know, going downtown and macking and mac on each other's clam traps, you know, hey, leave them alone. Yeah. Just leave them alone. Let, let them do the thing. Prison is a violent situation to begin with. True. So why not, you know, kind of limit that <sighs> violence down a little bit and the frustration and the stress because, shit, man, people got needs and... You know, I, in my own opinion, it would cause less problems. Right, right. Well, and that's my opinion, too, but, you know, what do I know? But anyways, so the it was public belief that had the board taken that information into account, they wouldn't have been so willing to let Russell out on parole. 
Even though several petitions had gone around requesting to keep Russell in prison, all of which acquired more than 50,000 signatures, nothing more could be done. The parole board had made their decision. Russell Obrensky was released from prison on parole on November 8th, 1993. Now, there's a very important <coughs> significance for that day. I mean, that year, that time frame. Because that was right around the time Denny Smith was running for governor in Oregon. Now, people don't know who Denny Smith is. He is the one that was instrumental in um, Oregon passing their three strikes initiative. Okay. And he's also the one that was behind the mandatory sentencing guidelines. See, and I'm all for that. Like, seriously. And I'll tell you why. Because if you ask me who's a repeat offender, let's say that it's... Or a violent offender, yes. Or especially a violent offender... You know, the first time, hey, man, people fuck up. That I'm, I'm cool with that. Right. You know, I'm not cool with it, but, you know, people make mistakes. Yeah. The second time, okay, maybe you didn't really get the, 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 the help that you needed to correct the problem. By the third time, guess what? You're just a fuck up, and you're going to keep doing it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Now, I will say this, though, that the National Rifle Association and Denny Smith both weighed in on hit Russell's release. They both were seeking reform and pointing fingers at people. Laverna Lowe's children who who had remained living in Oregon actually moved because they were afraid that uh, after they had been so vocal about him not being released, that they were afraid that he would come after them. I, I thought they were afraid of getting fingered by the NRA, but all right. No. So, <laughs> some people just don't like a little finger. I know, right? So on 40 hours... 48 Hours was actually there to document him getting out of prison after 25 years. The outcry was so intense. At the center of the whole battle was Danny Santos. He was a former chairman for the parole board in Oregon. Now, on the side was Denny Smith, who turned it into a media circus, basically, to push his Three Strikes You're Out initiative. As his major campaign thing. Of course, man. It's all, it, Exactly. Everything comes down to politics. Exactly. It doesn't matter if we're talking about in, in the 1960s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, or today. Every goddamn thing it's comes political. down to politics. Yes, very much so. Now, the NRA actually placed full-page ads in local newspapers demanding that the public initiate a reform. In fact... That, it was that initiative and that ad campaign that have 16 states now who have abolished parole entirely, which means you don't go in front of a parole board anymore. You oh, have cool. what we call in Oregon new guidelines, which means you have mandatory sentencing guidelines depending on the severity of your crime and your past criminal record. We need a, we need a volcano. Which is... Which I find ironic because... So we can toss in the virgins? No, so we can... It, like Okay, so like if you're... A child molester, mm-hmm. and I we're not you. talking. We're not. We're not talking like maybe you're in your twenties and she's seventeen. No, that's statutory rape. You know, you guys get a pass because while it's stupid, mm-hmm. mistakes happen. But if you're touching little five year old girls, maybe you need to be kicked into the volcano. <laughs> a little boot. A little boot to the volcano. <laughs> oh, uh, and you know what? We could play Wheel of Punishments. And have it on there. <laughs> Ooh, Bob got the guillotine. Ooh, that's not good for you. But you know what? It's quick, buddy. And it's quick. Ooh, hanging. That's good. 
Chuck, dude, you got volcano. No, one more, one more wheel of fortune. <laughs> yeah, can, 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 can I spin again? Buy a vowel, something? No. Instead of big money, big money, you go less punishment, less punishment. That's right. Come on, come on, come on. Lethal injection, lethal injection, lethal. Ooh, you got volcano. Oh, sucks to be you. No, man, I don't know if you knew this here, Bob, but. The last five people that fell down the volcano got stuck on a ledge. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't quick. Yeah. So the new the by abolishing the parole system entirely, that required the convicts to serve their sentences. I mean, like for instance, when I because I was arrested in December of nineteen ninety three, sentenced in April of nineteen ninety four, I fell on. under the new guidelines. Negative female inmate <laughs> anyways so i fell under new guidelines which was the whole well you know the sentencing guidelines we you know recommend between 58 and 60 months and since you don't really have a prison uh criminal history i'm gonna do you a favor and give you 59 i'm like really do me a favor <laughs> you know but you didn't get the volcano i did not get the volcano so in march of 1994 the Oregon Parole Board actually did make some major policy changes because they do still have inmates and they still do to this day under the old guidelines that they have to go in front of a parole board. Now, they implemented a panel of between two and three psychologists instead of just one, especially for cases that involve murder and serious sex offenders and any inmate who's convicted under the Oregon's dangerous offender statute. Now, the psychological examinations are now only part of the overall evaluation package. Um, in 1994, the federal government then passed a crime bill which provides financial incentives to states that enact, quote, a truth in sentencing statute. That requires them to serve at least 85% of their sentence before they are even considered for parole. Now, a Representative Elizabeth First of Oregon, F-U-R-S-T, invoked Obremsky's heinous crimes to help persuade the legislature to pass that crime bill. Now, Russell's sister was his only supporter out there, and she told 48 Hours he was tried and convicted. Is it fair to retry him all the time? Which I see her point to an extent. Um, Now, the conditions of his parole included he had to check in with his parole officer once a week for three years straight. He was to consume no alcohol. He was not allowed to leave the state without permission, and he was not allowed, well, as of any, you know, felon, he's not allowed to own or possess any weapons, and he was to stay away from controlled substances. That's a given. Now, he went to live in a halfway house in Eugene, right? He ended up getting a job, feeding livestock on a ranch. He found a girlfriend, and he got a dog. He went to regular AA meetings, did some fishing on the side, was a regular counseling. He attended regular counseling sessions, and he even started taking an abuse, which for people who don't know, that is a drug that actually makes you nauseous and ill when anytime you try to drink alcohol, which maybe we should take that. But. Hell no. <laughs> that will, that, I think that would interfere with my drinking. <laughs> that, would get, that would get in the way of my drinking. <laughs> exactly. We don't need that. Now, according to Al McCann, who was Russell's parole officer at the time, he said he, the guy had a 50-50 chance of making it. Whereas the sentencing judge, Sawyer, said there's no rehabilitation. There is no way to rehabilitate a man like him. He's a sociopath. Now, 
on Valentine's weekend in 1994, shortly after he got out and had his girl, got, met his girlfriend, he decided they were going to go on a little trip. They went to Florence, Oregon and stayed the night in a motel room and he proposed marriage. Now, he had stopped taking the antabuse the day before just in case she said yes to his proposal. He wanted to celebrate. So when he, she said yes, he went across the street and bought two bottles of beer. And they toasted their good fortune and a rosy future, right? However, he drank less than half of that beer before he was violently ill because he still had residual antabuse in his system. Then at his next meeting with his parole officer, he told him, I drank a beer, right? Well, he probably said, I drank half a beer, right? Which automatically was a parole violation. The general punishment for such a violation is usually just a 27-day jail sentence in the nearest facility. However, drinking for one type of offender might not be as serious an offense as it would be for another type of offender. Um, Both Medford victims were murdered while he was high on drugs and drinking alcohol. That made him a more... That made it more a more serious infraction than what he had expected it to be considering it was just half a beer, right? So that happened over Valentine's weekend. Then the episode of 48 hours, which featured his release aired on March 9th. And as soon as it, that was released, he was fired from his job. Oh, brutal. Sounds fucked up. Right now. While everybody anticipated something happening, another arrest, another trial, another sentence, nobody expected what happened next. On March 18, 1994, four months after he was paroled, Russell was arrested again, this time for first-degree sexual assault and first-degree sodomy against a four-year-old girl. Oh, what the fuck? Right. I mean, you kind of nailed it when you called him a chomo. Fuck, hey, the shoe fits. Volcano. Volcano. We need a goddamn volcano. Well, I will tell you this, that there is some controversy behind it, and I'll let you decide. Um, Apparently, this child was a relative of his fiance. The I told you so's, you know, the people in the media was like, I told you something like this would happen. We're everywhere, especially those who were against the whole parole system to begin with. He said he'd been set up by his fiance's relatives to keep her from marrying him. With all that hype, he considered himself a political prisoner. Now, Judge Sawyer, who originally sentenced him after his murder trial, actually told the 48 Hours uh, program in an update that the only thing that surprised him about the new allegations was the age of the victim. Oregon, of course, was horrified. You know, the whole state was like, oh my God, he just got out, blah, blah, blah. Now, the citizens, the media, Laverna's children, Betty's boys were all on the edge of their seats. After he was arrested, of course, he was denied bail, not because of his history and not because of the severity of the crime. He was only denied bail because he had committed a parole violation by drinking that half a beer. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. How fucking dumb. I know. Isn't that crazy? So from the beginning, he denied the molestation charge. He says he had been babysitting the four-year-old relative of his fiancée, and he took her and her nine-year-old friend to Armitage Park, where the defendant said he actually walked her across a a footbridge to a fallen log. Now, she said that at some point he licked her genitals and showed her his, quote, tail with whiskers around it, which I can see why a four-year-old would call it that, right? 
Okay, but you know, honest. That almost I, sounds like though she was coached. Yes, yeah, I don't want to come to this guy's defense. I really don't. I don't either. But the wording, I don't know. Would a four-year-old call it that? Here's the. I, I got to think in about it because it's not in his normal victim pool. Exactly. He's not high. Everything's when when he's on drugs and alcohol, and he was trying to get his life together. So why would he do it? He, I don't know. I don't know. I, just, I got a feeling like maybe he was correct. I okay. could be wrong, and if well, I'm wrong, then I'm sorry. Let but. me keep going. Yeah, I might reinforce your belief here. Now, his trial for this began on September 29th, 1994, and was lasted for 12 days of testimony, which included him slamming his fist on the stand, denying everything. His testimony was confusing, and he contradicted himself several times. Eventually, he said he remembered telling the girl to behave or he hit her a good lick on the butt. Which yeah, Fair enough, yeah. That, this is where he says she got the idea to tell her friend, her mother, and the investigators, Uncle Russ licked my butt. Okay? Which yeah, makes sense. Okay. In a, in a weird way, yeah. I suppose. But since she was only four years old, they could not call her to testify. Now, the jury deliberated for seven hours over two days before they voted to acquit. There was just not enough evidence. Several of the jurors felt the charges were trumped up trying to get him back in prison. According to one juror, he said, we wanted to put him back in prison to fry for his first crimes, but we weren't there to try him for that. We were there to try him on these new charges, which they had to abide by the laws, right? Right, exactly. So, Doug... I'm going to I'm going to freaking mispronounce his name and I'm sorry if you're still alive but you know what maybe you should have an easier last name. Doug Harklerod, H A R C L E R O A D. He's the Lane County District Attorney out of Eugene. He agreed that not having the young accuser testify even on videotape was what sounded the death knell for their case. Uh, the jurors just did not know how credible this young witness was. Though he was acquitted of molestation charges, he remained in jail on the parole violation charge. Now, he remained... Uh, dang it, sorry. From what I could tell, and I, like I said, I wasn't quite finished with this article. I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants right now. He remains in the Oregon State Penitentiary. He had his parole permanently revoked on violation charges of drinking a beer to celebrate his engagement. Wait, is this bitch still alive? I believe so. I'm going to write like, Well, like I said, I haven't been able to, like, weed out this last part yet to see if he's still alive, see if he's still at OSP or what. You know? So, because of his parole violation of drinking the beer, his parole was permanently revoked, which means he can't get out. Okay? Now, he said... Getting the rest of my life in prison is what I get for being honest, for keeping my word to my parole officer. I gave him my word that I would never lie to him, and I didn't. And it was old English 800. If I'd known they were going to do this, hell, I would have bought Budweiser. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That's still as bad, dude. That's like for real. Why don't you drink some box wine with that? <laughs> Why yeah? don't you go get a brass monkey, oldie and orange juice? Yuck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. I know. I can do beer and tomato juice. I cannot do beer and orange juice. This is nasty. Oh yeah, we should do uh, that. When the red eyes. We called them. Uh, we call them red beers. Oh yeah. Because you know, after a show, after you've been playing for a while, you know, and you wake up and you're already fucking hungover. Uh, yeah. You'd be, hey, how about red beers? Red beers and eggs. Okay. Yeah, that we, works. We called them red eyes because they were good hangover reducers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get rid of the red eyes. 
Now, his fiance actually stuck by him. I'm a nice guy, he told journalists. Now, his unusual case provided grounds for many prison and sentencing reforms, but the matrix system is still used in Oregon to compute parole dates for violent crimes committed before 1989. Now, he, it says that he remains in Oregon State Penitentiary today, and having had his parole permanent... Oh, I already said that. Whatever. Why did I have it twice? I don't know, because you're confusing. You're I guess. But yeah, and, yeah. So, no, so that's everything. And like I said, I haven't been able to figure out if he's still in prison. Let me double check. I can check real quick here. Hang on. Yeah, if he is, I'm going to write him. Yeah, I got I want, I, I want the story from his own, from his own mouth, because I'm curious about these new charges. They, they, the old ones are the old ones. I'm curious about these ones right freaking here and now. Yeah. Because it's just something about the story, and it, it could just be how you present it. Oh, I don't know. I'm finding him in the organ system. Yeah, maybe he's dead. No, maybe. That's a bummer. But, uh, yeah, something about it just kind of sounds off. Yeah, a little bit. Quite a bit, actually. You ready to wrap this one I'm up? I'm ready to wrap this one up. All right. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium. Crime Beat on Medium and wherever you get your blogs. Uh, let's see. Become a part of the citizens of Brutal Nation. We're on Facebook. Just click like on our Facebook page and follow us. We got all kinds of cool deals, cool uh, swag, all kinds of cool, just cool shit, man. Update. He died in 2005. Oh, okay. Well, I guess he's not. How dare he? Hey, how rude. He's not going to be on the show. What a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're horrible. Oh, man. This show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.